Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I have long looked forward to this broadcast. Several years ago, I obviously knew that one of these days I was going to be making this broadcast, and I have looked forward to this for eh, probably in the ballpark of two years. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the time when these charts, these prophecy charts that I'm looking at right now, were completed, and when I could go on the radio and I could begin to try to explain them to you, and I did say that right, begin to try to explain them to you, I made three DVDs that is sort of covering part of this, but what the Lord laid on my heart is, stand that there are some things that cannot be learned by just audio, they cannot be learned by audio and video, meaning a videotape. Some things have to be learned by being written. And the reason is, is because sometimes we have to read a sentence and then blink a couple of times and kind of let it soak in, read it again, and then we have to think about it, and we have to, it, it requires soaking time. I understand that, and that's the reason God had me write this book, and I'll tell you right up front, that's the purpose in this broadcast. I'm trying to get you to get this book. Now, Why? Well, if it was about making money, I certainly wouldn't be offering five for 30. Now, would I? I would be offering them one for 20 bucks because obviously you make the most money on that. So I think I've proven that my heart is not about making money in this book. My heart is winning souls, of course, but I know, oh boy, how do I say this? And I'm, I'm making this broadcast without notes. And I got, I got an email the other day and said, man, I love your broadcast without notes. Well, <laughs> Here, here's one without notes. Uh, I know through the years how my heart yearned to know the truth about Bible prophecy, to know how things fit together. And if your heart is yearning to understand Bible prophecy, how the pieces of the puzzle fit together, then oh my, oh my, oh my goodness, this is your book. Again, two years ago when I again began memorizing the book of Revelation, I did not know anything that is in this book. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I didn't know anything. Now, I'm not... <laughs> I mean, how do you say this next thing and be humble? Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to communicate how important it is to get the book. I'm not trying to lift myself up or make me seem important. Because if you've served the Lord for a while, you know you're not important. You know that He is the only thing that is important. And I have served Him long enough and I have received enough correction to know who's important, and it's not me. So I say this because I want you to understand why I want you to get this book, and that is I do not think you know anything in this book. I think that's a fair thing to say. I don't think I knew, knew everything about prophecy. Uh, I mean, I, I will say I thought I was pretty informed two years ago when I began to memorize the book of Revelation, but I certainly knew that there was a lot of things I didn't know. I wanted to learn more. But when I started memorizing it, I started getting revelations. Now, I mean, a revelation, sometimes it was just a deeper understanding. A few times, it was an audible voice. And that's part of what I'm going to cover today. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Uh, I mean, I was studying along one night, and all of a sudden, I mean, I heard a voice. As clear as you're hearing my voice right now, and it said, the seven seals play over seven years, the seven trumpets play over seven months, and the seven vials play over seven days. 
the first time that happened, of course, I was pretty shocked, but this wasn't the first time, so I knew it was the Lord. But I also knew that not everybody was going to, yeah, 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 sure, right, you heard God, okay, you know, and not everybody's going to believe that, I understand that. So I had to discover, and I put it in the book, why that is accurate. And the reason I say that is because I've got a big four-foot-by-six-foot chart up at the church that I made several radio programs with. I used it in a lot of DVDs. You'll find it in DVDs, and it is wrong. It's a boom, big, in-your-face, wrong. Because I thought in those days that the seven seals played over seven years, the seven trumpets played over seven years, and the seven vials played over seven years. Wrong. Now, that one little mistake in terms of the overall play of how you fit things together is a huge mistake. Now, I also want to say, you may be thinking, well, Stan, you know, I mean, I'm sort of interested in prophecy, but I'm not really that interested in it. Well, let me just tell you, that's a mistake. Because whether you know it or not, or like it or not, or believe it or not, you're living in the last days. We only have a few more years. I don't know how many. But if you listen to that courtroom in heaven, that vision of Maurice Scalar that God gave him, it's not far off. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess like two, three, four years, four years, five years tops before the tribulation begins. Now, when that tribulation begins, when that first seal is unsealed, and that's war, and I, I've i been praying. I, I don't know. I, I keep praying and praying and praying. Lord, what is the first seal? Is that the Russians attacking America? But I can't get an answer. He hadn't told me. I don't know what the first seal is. I can tell you that it's a, a white horse. I can tell you I also used to teach and think that it was the Pope. Wrong, 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 wrong. That's one of the revelations, revelations I got. In the process of memorizing the book of Revelation, he gave me a deeper understanding. It's not the Pope. It is an angel of the Lord. But again, those kind of things I'm about to discuss. The reason you want to know about Bible prophecy is because you're standing on the edge of it. You're about to walk into it. And when this giant earthquake, these volcanoes explode, when bombs land all over every place, Oh, then you're going to want to be able to, oh, uh, what's going on? What's going on? Well, it's a little late to go popping your Bible open trying to understand what took me 40 years to understand. I mean, you'll still want to, but you'll be saying to yourself, oh, man, I I should have studied this. I should have studied this a long time ago. Yep, that's right. And now you're behind the time. So what I'm trying to do is motivate the people that will listen to me. God bless you for listening. You're not the, the, the problem. You're the solution. You're what, look, if you're listening, you're called to be a preacher and teacher of Bible prophecy. And if you're listening, I believe that you're also called to be a miracle worker. Look, this is what the Lord spoke to my heart the other night. I didn't hear an audible voice on it, but if you've been around the Lord long, you know that you don't have to hear an audible voice to know that God is talking to you. And some of the most stern voices I've heard were not the compliments. They were corrections. And here's, here, I wrote it down here. I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. I'll read it again. I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. If you've been listening to this broadcast for a while, then you're called the same thing. You're part of that. You could not listen to this broadcast very long if you weren't called. This is not an entertainment broadcast. This is a broadcast getting you ready for the seven years. 
And by the way, there's not going to be a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-rath rapture, sorry to say. So that means everybody got to get prepared. Okay, now, on to what I wanted to cover today. So I'm looking at one of the two charts, and I'm going to do my best to try to explain to you what is in this chart. Obviously, you're going to have to get the book to look at the chart. But those of you that had the book, this is going to be wonderful to help you understand even more. In the book, the book goes through and explains to you the chart, but the chart helps you to put what you have read into kind of a, a picture format so you can understand it. So let's start with the basics. There are seven feasts. The feasts are kind of like kind of like hopscotch. Now, when you were a kid, hopefully you did as I did, and you played hopscotch and where you got the one square, and you put your one foot on the one square, and then you jump out to the two squares, and then the one square, and then the two squares, and so on. Well, there's seven squares. These seven specific dates, now the Bible calls them feasts, but what they really are are appointment dates. Please hear that. That's real important. Because most everybody talks about, uh, talks about them in terms of feasts. Well, in the American jargon, a feast is you just eat a whole lot of food. Okay, There's not a, They're not about eating food. And they're really not about a whole lot of other things that goes on those days. What they really are is God is saying, when I do something, when I do it, I'm going to do it according to these seven days, these seven layouts. It's a pattern. It's like hopscotch. And he's saying that when I do it, this is the pattern I'm always going to follow. If you want to know what I'm doing, you have to understand the pattern. This is the pattern. This is the appointment days. Now, I'm not going into teaching about the feasts. I'm just giving you an overview. And in the book, I do not go through it. It's not about teaching you the feasts. Here, here's the bottom line. I was shown that there is one word. And that word, I'll go ahead and tell you the secret door, because you, you'll never understand it without getting the book. As a matter of fact, when you get the book and you have the charts, it's still going to take you some serious study to get this all down. I'm not worried about telling you too much on the radio. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I'm trying to tell you as much as I possibly can tell you, and you still you, you won't get it. I mean, at least I wouldn't have got it. And, you know, I've been around prophecy a long time, so I'm pretty sure if I don't get it, then you won't either. Okay, that, that, that's Look, I believe that this is a God-breathed book. I'm not saying it's on level with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not. It's not the word of the Lord. But it's not on Stan's level either. I mean, it's, it, is a, it is above my level. When I read this, it's like, wow, Stan, how did you know that? Well, that's just it. You didn't know it. I believe that this is a book for God's people let me rephrase it. For God's prophecy teachers and miracle workers, this is your book. If you want to be a prophecy teacher and a miracle wor worker, then you need to get this book and you need to devour it. It's not a book that I'd recommend you memorize. It's not canon. Again, it's not the Word of God, but it will help you to understand the Word of God. It will make it simple. All of a sudden, the clouds will disappear, and you will be able to see clearly and understand the end times. Okay, so back to the seven feasts. They are Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. Say it again Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. Jesus was crucified the afternoon before Passover, and then, of course, the 
and feast of unleavened bread is three days, and then he arose on first fruits. That means that the prophetic time stopped on first fruits, and then it returns and starts on first fruits. So first fruits is the real big key. Let me say it again. Jesus arose. He was the first one to get his glorified body, and he got that on first fruits. Then some 2,000 years later, he will return on first fruits once again. Oh, really? Yeah, well, this is another one of the revelations I got that I explained in my book. And if you talk to people that have read the book, they are amazed at some of the revelations that I was given. Again, it's not me, it's the Lord, because it's the last days. Now, reason I say this, let's go to Revelation 14, 1. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in the foreheads. I cannot tell you how many times in all of my teaching Bible prophecy I taught that the next time Jesus returns is going to be on trumpets, and he returns and set his foot down upon the Mount of Olives, and he returns as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the Lion of the tribe of Israel. Well, part of that is correct, but part of that is wrong. The next time Jesus returns, he does not... Oh, yeah, this is going to rattle your cage right here. He does not return to the Mount of Olives. He does not return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He does not return on trumpets. The next time he returns is actually on first fruits, meaning Jesus will return two more times. Again, get the book, and let me explain to you. The, one of the compliments I continue to get by the emails, which, by the way, you can email me at askstan at prophecyclub.com. No one screens that email. I get that directly. Ask Stan at prophecyclub.com. One of the things they continually uh, say is that they are shocked by how I have backed up everything with scripture, that there's really nothing to argue with in any of the points because it's all right there in scripture. So let's go to scripture. I'm going to show you the next time Jesus returned, Revelation 14.1. And I looked and lo, a lamb. Now, on trumpets, Jesus returns as a lion, but this is saying he returns as a lamb, and the lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. Well, the Mount Zion is about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. It's not the same mountain as in Israel. That's saying that the next time he returns is actually on Mount Zion. He returns as a lamb. Okay, now wait a minute. What kind of body did Jesus have as a lamb? Well, you remember Acts 11, this is the day, 40 days later, that he ascended. You remember that there was a man or an angel standing next to him when Jesus went up into the clouds. And the angel turned to him and said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Now listen carefully. This same Jesus. Okay, that means that the same body that Jesus left in is the same body he's going to return on for first fruits. That's not trumpets, for first fruits. Let me go on. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. Well, what was the body? Well, this is the body that Thomas felt the nail scars and he felt the sword into the side. This is the same body that ate with the disciples and had fish with them. This is the same body that walked out on the road with them, that walked around for some 40 days. 
Well, that's the same body that he returns in. Again, these are all revelations. That's what I'm saying. The things in this book, you do not know. You have never ran across this before. This is all new end-time information for the end-time church because he is raising up an army of teachers that are walking in miracles, prophecy teachers walking in miracles. All right, so back to the thing here. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. Well, it'll take me a whole broadcast to explain who the 144,000 are. So I'll just simply say, this is the barley harvest. This is the one-year-old Israeli boys that have now been resurrected, probably into mature bodies, and in the mouth has found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now I'm going to give you the secret door that I was shown. Remember the prophecy that I was given said that God had put a lock on the word in the book of Revelation, and that he would remove that lock and show me that word. And that lock would make, when, when it's unloosed, would make many of the other books on eschatology or on, on the end times obsolete. Well, here it is. This is the scripture that has the word, and, and I'll read it and I'll explain to you. So we're in Revelation 14, 4. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Here it comes. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Meaning, these are the first people to come out of the graves since the day Jesus came out of the graves. These are the first ones to get their glorified bodies. These are the first fruits, and they arise on first fruits. And that's the secret door. Because you can take that word from Revelation 14, 4, and you could go back and tie that together with Leviticus 23, I believe it's verse 12. And it is first fruits. In other words, once you understand that secret door, that is, once you understand it, again, I don't think you're going to get it unless you get the book, then all of a sudden, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, all of the other feasts from there on out, fall in line. All of a sudden you can say, oh, 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 okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I see it, I understand. Like you've never understood before in your life. Okay, let me go on. So time stopped when Jesus arose on first fruits. Now, if you can tell me what year that is, I can tell you that probably that same first fruits, some 2,000 years, probably exactly 2,000 years later, is the year that Jesus will return. No, I didn't say I know the day or the hour. I believe that if you can tell me the exactly the year that Jesus arose, I can probably tell you the year he will return. Problem is, if you, if you go on to Google and you start looking up and Googling, well, what year did Jesus arise? Well, good luck with that. Because there's all kinds of people with all kinds of theories saying, oh, he rose in 28 AD. Others 29. Others 30. I mean, it's like, again, there's not that, there's not a consensus on exactly what year Jesus arose from the dead. Well, why is that? Because probably he didn't want us to know exactly, but we can know generally. And I think that's what he wanted us to know. In general, he wanted us to know that in general, 
This is about when I'm going to return. Okay, now you pick one. Was it 28 AD? Was it 30 AD? Was it 29 AD? Okay, let, let's just pick one. Okay, and, and please, I'm do not put words in my mouth. I'm not telling you what Jesus, what year Jesus is going to return. I'm not doing that. I'm simply trying to help you understand that it's close. Okay, so let's let's say Jesus arose from uh, the dead on 28 AD. 28 AD. Say it more clearly. 28 AD. Now, there are several other scriptures, two of them to be exact. This is, and after two days was the feast of the Passover. There's two scriptures that says after two days. Again, I've covered this in the book. I'm talking without notes today. And that in, that in the picture there is, the repeating prophecy there is, that there's 2,000 years between Jesus rising from the dead and Jesus returning to complete the fulfillment of, of the last feasts after first fruits. If it's 2,000 years, no, no guarantee it is, but I'm telling you that is the picture. So if Jesus arose from the dead in 28 AD, if, we don't know, but if, and if it's 2,000 years, that means he would be returning in what year? 2028 AD. All right, so if, you hear a lot of ifs, I guess, I'm not saying anything specific. If, he returns in 2028 20, AD. And we know that the tribulation is seven years long, so you subtract seven years. Okay, so here we are in 2019. So if he returns in 2028, 20, how long do we have? How long is there from 2019 to 2028? 20, uh, that would be about nine years. Okay, so how long would that be before the tribulation starts? Uh, depends on exactly how you want to count it up. Two, three years, somewhere in the ballpark of 2021, 2022. Again, depends on how you want to cut it up. Again, I'm not trying to say anything specific. I'm trying to say we don't have long. That's my point. We don't have long. So, back to the chart. Okay, so Jesus arises on first fruits. 2,000 years later, he returns on first fruits with the 144,000. That, my brothers and sisters, is the cry. Remember, the Bible says at midnight there was a cry Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Why does it say, Go ye out to meet him? Why does it say, Go ye out to meet him? You see, the misunderstanding is the next time Jesus returns, he returns in the clouds and to vanquish his enemies at Armageddon. But that, again, is one of the things I was shown that's wrong. That's not correct. The next time he returns, he returns on first fruits in a lamb body with the 144,000 one-year-old Israeli boys. And if you want to understand why I say one-year-old, you got to get the book. It's way, way, way. It take me an hour to explain that. Got to get the book. One-year-old Israeli boys. And what do they do? Well, after Jesus arose, he walked around on the earth for some 40 days, and then he arose to heaven. So after he came out of the grave, he walked around for 40 days. I believe, I suspect strongly that once he returns again, he once again walks around for another 50 days. And then, on Pentecost, exactly 50 days. Let me say that again, because it's a little bit confusing. So, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus arose, he walked around on the earth for 40 days. And when he returns on some future first fruits, 
he will walk around then 50 days until Pentecost. On Pentecost is the fulfillment of the dead in Christ shall rise first. On Pentecost is the day that is all dedicated to those that are washed in the blood of Jesus. You remember the angel turned to John in the book of Revelation. He says, who are these arrayed in white robes whence came they? John said, thou knowest. And he said, these are they which came at a great tribulation and washed the robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple? Who are they? That's the wheat brothers and sisters. That is the resurrected Israelites and Gentiles, which no man could number, washed in the blood of Jesus. Meaning, if we have died before Pentecost, before that last Pentecost. And again, I'm not trying to set a date, but since we picked 28 AD, and by the way, you can do the same thing with 29 or 30, it's somewhere in that ballpark. But again, we picked 28 for our demonstration today. So if Jesus returns in 28 excuse me, 2028, again, I'm not saying he does, but if he does, then on that particular Pentecost, all washed in the blood of Jesus are all resurrected back to the point where Jesus was offered. Everybody's washed in the blood of Jesus. They are resurrected on that day, and they go then to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How do you know that the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost? Well, again, got to get the book, man. I mean, it's just way, way, way too complicated to try to explain that. But the the short answer is, back in Exodus, I believe the chapter is 13. The book had this all down. That was the very first marriage. And the reason we know that is because it says clearly, in the third month. That's when God spoke audibly from the top of Mount Sinai and said, I will be your God if you will be my people. And they said, yes and amen. So they accepted the proposal. That was the marriage. That was the first marriage. And there's only one feast that takes place in the third month. And that would be Pentecost. So the wheat, meaning those people washed in the blood of Jesus, those people that are ready, according to Matthew, then they go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who? At the marriage supper of the Lamb, the bride is not the primary focus as it is on earth. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's all about Jesus. We get two things, and only two things. We get a wedding garment, and then at the end of it, some four months later, we get a white horse. It's all about Jesus. That's when Jesus is changed from the lamb to the lion, changed from being the prince of the kings of the earth to becoming king of kings and lord of lords. He is crowned with many crowns. He is given a vesture dipped in blood, and he is also given a name that no man know but he himself, and then not only him, but also us, we all get white horses, and then we return on trumpets, which is the grape harvest for Armageddon. And that's where we watch Jesus use the morning star to burn up the tares. We watch the other two angels that have two sharp sickles, one sickle each, and they slash the grapes. And that is the judgment seat of Christ. All, whether dead or alive, anyone that has ever, 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 ever asked Jesus into the heart, all, is judged that day. That's the day that all in Christ get our various blessings, our rewards. Then 10 days later is atonement. That's the judgment by books. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Then five days later is the tabernacle coming down from heaven, 250 miles square, pure gold, clear as glass. Now, I run out of time, so let me encourage you to get the book. 
It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Topics are The Secret Door of Bible Prophecy, Jesus Returns on What Feast, The Secret of the Feast, what, Who Are the Two Witnesses, because it's not Enoch and Elijah, What is the Morning Star, The Judgment Seat of Christ, and The Great White Throne, and The Nations Explained, When is the Cry, The Parables Explained, Seals, Trumpets, and Vials in Order. It's a book that is going to bring you all new, accurate information. One book is 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55. Don't get the one for 20. 5 for 30 or 10 for 55 is the best deal. 10 for 55. You go to prophecyclub.com to get the book. Prophecyclub.com. The typical book has from 40 to 50,000 words and uses thick yellow paper. This book has 85,000 words in two columns on each page. Bright white paper to make it easy to read. Six by nine size, so it's a typical Bible size, easy to carry with your Bible because you're not going to read this one and put it down. You'll carry it with you probably for the rest of your life. The back flap has two full color prophecy charts. Excellent book in my humble opinion because it's not from me. It's from the Lord. Again, one for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. One for 20, five for 30. The best deal is 10 for 55. Also, you can get the book at prophecyclub.com if you want to get signed up for the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade. This is where we're going to make prophecy teachers and workers of miracles at the crusade. You do that at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your gifts of support. God bless.